0: Welcome to Sex Spoken Here with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex coach and relationship psychologist and created this show to help you solve any sexual problems, learn about all things sexy, sensual, and intimate, and create your ideal lasting relationship. In my virtual therapy room, I answer questions, interview experts, and provide tips that you can use straight away. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create a problem-free, exciting sex life. Make sure you join us to be up-to-date on all events and to easily access coaching at www.the-intimacy-coach.com. Welcome to my virtual therapy room. I am Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and this is Sex Spoken Here. Remember that this podcast deals with adult themes, so if you don't have privacy, you might wish to put on your headphones. Joining me today is Carolyn Hauser Carson, German trained naturopathic doctor, humanistic psychotherapist, and family constellations facilitator. She is the author of the book Blossom Seven Steps to Sexual Healing, and the upcoming book, The Pleasure IQ. An internationally recognized speaker and teacher on the subjects of spirituality, healing, and women's empowerment for almost two decades, Carolyn combines her knowledge to help women and brave men to have love-filled lives that flow with a sense of ease and amazing results. Her work is based on the intersection of where the human body and experience meets past and even ancestral trauma and shows how each individual's authentic and true self is the source of one's own good, A place of unlimited abundance, creativity, courage, and joyful existence. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So um, we started out where we were talking about where you pick up is after the kind of Me Too step. So this whole uh, Me Too phenomenon is where women and some, as you say, some brave men are stepping up to say um, that they have been either sexually harassed or sexually assaulted or both. Yes. It's a wonderful thing and it's very empowering to stand up and be counted, but that's not the end of the story. No, it's the first step in my opinion and in my experience. Mine too. Yeah. So um, what do you think about this phenomena now, the kind of wave that's going on with, with this?
1: I have mixed feelings. On one hand, I'm really, really, really happy because I published my book six years ago and there was no interest and I was running my head against the door and everybody was like, ah, stay away. You know, this is too painful. We don't want to know about this. And, and, you know, that kind of men were very encouraging. You know, a lot of men saying, oh, you're doing such great work and it's so needed, but it was really hard to promote. So I'm very happy because um, people are talking about it and the, I think the overall cloak or mantle of shame has been lifted which you know the, the shame and the guilt makes people not talk about it and makes it such a um, detrimental thing to people's lives. So that's the good part. What I'm very sad about is what's been happening and what I see is the polarization between the sexes right where it seems like there's the women and then there's the men and there's a lot of finger pointing and a lot of yeah, polarization. And um, it
0: makes me sad. And, and again, it's also an opportunity for healing. So, yeah. What I find interesting is, is I'm, I'm not actually sure that I agree with you about the mantle of shame at this point. I think that some of it's been lifted, but I think that this is only step one of actually confronting shame around sex and sexuality. And, and, and that it's interesting to me that the place where we confront shame is around sexual trauma. We don't confront it around all the healthy aspects of sexuality, which is completely still steeped in shame. And there's still so many people. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: agree with you. What I meant to say is, you know, a lot of people, the shame and guilt has kept a lot of people from speaking out. So at least we're speaking out now. That's what I mean. Yeah. There's still, you know, there's still. But it's
0: interesting to me that, that we start that with trauma. So I did um, my PhD dissertation um, at, Research study, which was a treatment outcome study for treatment for PTSD, and it was with crime victims, and and the majority of them in the study were um, victims of some form of sexual crime. It's just how it it worked out. No, so that was done, and it was finished. The research was finished in 1994. Wow. <laughs> right, yeah, and um, and I wrote a book, uh, co-authored a book on brief treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, that came out in 1998 that's still out. Um, and yet people still, in terms of actually um, pursuing all the aspects of healing from that, um, find it very difficult to step up. So I've experienced with Me Too more people wanting to look at healing. I do healing in two different ways with that because I still do do the, the work on the actual psychological issues but I also do coaching to help people get back into um, a healthy sexuality. Um, Some people it's for the first time because their trauma was so early, but for many people uh, that I see it's, it's not the first time it's, it's coming back to it after assault or harassment. Um, And people are of course more willing to pursue that than they are to actually pursue the, the kind of deeper levels. Of healing the trauma at least in my experience even with talking about this in public it's fine in groups but as individuals it becomes difficult
1: yeah and i think there's a lot of you know there's a lot of just unknown because when people hear trauma healing i think what they think is that they have to relive it that they have to be um non-functioning for a while that it will be overwhelming that it's, you know, it's scary, all these emotions and so forth. And um, what I've learned over the years is that it, it is, a, there, there can be a much gentler approach. And it's really when you work with the body, you don't have to be scared, you don't have to relive it, you, you know, there's, there is no, um, no retraumatization, basically, no, you know, it's not necessary.
0: Well, retraumatization happens I don't believe it happens as a result of people looking at the trauma and going through it again. It happens on the basis of the way in which whoever's working with them deals with the container. So for example, traditional therapists have a 50 minute hour, which I do not. So what typically would happen in a trauma session, if you go to a traditional therapist, is you go in and you would start looking at the trauma using any one of a half a dozen techniques, but getting deep into it, but you would be artificially stopped at 50 minutes. Yeah. And then you're and, left like, ah. Then you're re-traumatized because you're right in the middle of it. Yeah. So what people would do is either they wouldn't get into it at all, or they would be overwhelmed and they would quit therapy at the worst possible point. Whereas the way in which I, I learn to work and, and that I do work is with an unfix session time. So we deal with a piece of something until it's done, until somebody's feeling better about it. And so they don't leave the session in bits. They leave when they're feeling better put together. <laughs> they're feeling put together and they know that if that takes four hours, that I'll be there with them for four hours. So there's no, none of that uh, anxiety about what condition they're going to be in. Um, yeah. and there's other things like, you know, working with people in, in this, in the United Kingdom, it's quite popular to work with people once every two weeks I have no idea why. I think I know why. It has to do more with finances and about scheduling. But if you're working on heavy stuff, once every two weeks is not sufficient to hold people. You know, it just isn't. It's too much opportunity for things to be triggered or for life to throw something else in the way and to make it more difficult. And so, you know, the idea of actually working with people intensively over a number of days and then taking a break and then coming back and seeing where you are. It's just being willing to think outside the box, I think. And, and then, you know, not only doing psychological work, but looking at body work, not only there's, there's, there are so many different facets to this that to give people the idea well, there are many different ways we can go about this. And there are, you know, may involve more than one professional even sometimes. And, the outcome we're searching for is for you to be in that better place. And we're not going to abandon you in the middle of all of this. It doesn't need to be overwhelming in that way. I think yeah. it requires a change in thought as to how you approach somebody with these sorts of issues.
1: Yeah. And so when I, when I, when I wrote Blossom, um, the book that you mentioned, my intention was really to give people something that they can do by themselves because you inhabit your nervous system right so even though it's you know there is points in your life where you might need someone and want somebody and have a guide the actual work the physical work on your nervous system you're the only person that can do it right because you're the only one inhabiting your body your energy system and so my work really focuses on teaching people about their own energy so that they can learn how to transmute it and um so I look at trauma much more as an energetic event than a psychological or mental kind of, I literally look at, okay, here's your body and a huge amount of energy came at your body and, you know, psyche and spirit, obviously, because it's connected and your system didn't know what to do with it. And it really basically melted your, your wiring and your power source. And so now what can we do to repair that?
0: So, you're having people actually go through a process of, of, of essentially energetic rewiring um, mm-hmm. and individually? Um, through the book, people can do it
1: individually. Then I do it as an online course, and then I do it also through retreats. So, like you said, you know, where people come together for a few days and have the longer space and small groups, and yeah. Yeah. And, and, and a nice container so that they can do it on so many different levels. My yeah, time, and where they get food and where they don't have to, you know, where everything is taken care of.
0: Right. So that, that you, because, yeah, because I imagine, you know, and, and this is often the case when people are doing things, you know, there are many, and when I say self-help, I mean it in a positive manner, because some people find, you know, have an attitude and I don't, you know, there's a lot of things that people can do DIY um, and that people should do DIY in terms of, paying attention to the whole their whole system and being able to work towards their own goals and their own healing and and have some agency in that which is really really important um but trying to do that sometimes you know I, i remember when workbooks first came out for for abuse victims and stuff there was some great stuff but the idea of actually working through that and then going and taking care of the kids or then going to the job while you were experiencing these emotions and, and all these things it would be completely overwhelming. And, and so the idea of being on a retreat where all of those sort of the things, the, the necessaries are taken care of and you don't have to be responsible for anything other than doing this piece of work is a wonderful yeah. gift yeah. someone can give themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, plus it also, you know, I always think that when, when you're in a group we're with others with similar issues, it's so helpful to see that, you know, we learn so much from each other and from being with each other. And so I love working in groups, you know, in general, because it's, it's um, that in itself can be a healing experience. Yeah. And oftentimes people bond and then they have, you know, even when they go back, back to their normal lives, they have friendships, they have people that they can call upon and that are on the similar journey and. Yeah,
0: yeah well, and, and, I mean, I think it's a big deal to find out in a real sense that you're not the only one. It's one thing, you know, one step of that is, is for some people is seeing it online and, and like hashtags and things are wonderful for that where people can see how many thousands of other people have been through similar experiences. Um, but to actually sit in a room with people as they share similar stories is really powerful and and can be so healing that and, and even just the normalizing aspect of it, like you're not insane. This is a normal response to what you experienced. Yeah. And then
1: also the valid- validation, because I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, I wasn't raped, so I really shouldn't have these problems. Or, you know, I really just only was touched inappropriately once, or I was maybe even just looked at or, you know, there and in my world there is no quantification right it's just you and how you've been impacted you know
0: well and that's i mean that's something that that i do when i work with people with trauma i say trauma but it's not trauma as in i don't define what a trauma is you know people come in what's traumatic to them is a trauma and so it could be um, they stubbed their toe, for example. I know that sounds trivial, but it could be that that was something hugely traumatic to someone. And exactly. I would treat that with the same seriousness as I would somebody who, um, you know, survived a sexual assault or, you know, the, the death of, uh, of a loved one or... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Exactly. It doesn't matter what, uh, you know, the objective, in quotes, criteria, the a- external criteria. What matters is the way in which the person's been impacted.
1: Yeah. And so we know, you know, you know this probably that when trauma happens, the brain gets altered and you, anybody who's gone through trauma has a harder time creating a good life for themselves because they're living out of more of a fight or flight survival mode. Right. And so my intention with the work that I do is help people so that they can self-regulate and learn how to regulate their brain so that they can actually um, have access to their creativity, which you know, in my world, is our greatest asset is our creativity, and it has to do with the higher parts of our brain. That when we're when we're often triggered or more easily triggered, we have no access to. We're not, you know, we're not our best selves or resourceful when we're in that state.
0: And that makes sense. I mean, I mean, certainly when somebody's triggered, they they don't have access to much. No. They, they are they can, they, run, they can run or they can hide or they can attack. Right? Well, yeah, and and they're they're not in the present anymore, and that's the thing that people don't really understand. It's you know, sometimes I'll be talking with people who will tell, be telling me that their trauma is all over. They're fine. Yeah. And I watch the emotion and the energy rise as they're talking with me. And, and I, I have to say respectfully, I don't agree with you. And the reason I don't agree with you is because it's clearly still live. When you are expressing all of this, it's so live and so emotional that it's as though you are still in it. And that when you're done with it it doesn't it's not that way anymore it yeah. truly is in the past and it, it's, it's interesting because um it's such a large it's such a large difference when you actually look at people how they present how their energy is their emotions the way they deal with things because when it's live they're still in it yeah so a lot of a lot of energy a lot of energy goes
1: through suppressing it and keeping it at bay and pretending it didn't happen, pretending it didn't impact me, you know, all those things. And um, like you said, when that's really resolved, you have so much more energy to actually do the things you want to do and, you know, create a better life for yourself.
0: And that's actually one of the ways in which I, I, I talk to people about why it's worth doing the work. It's like you have no idea how much energy you are spending in just trying to deal with that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people don't make the connection between, you know, chronic fatigue and, and all the autoimmune um, diseases and so forth. Um, right? it, it literally, when you don't deal with the trauma, it will wreak havoc on your, on your physical body. You know, you might be constantly exhausted and you think it's like your thyroids or your adrenal glands. But the, the reason why, why they're why impacted is because the trauma happened and because your biochemistry is completely thrown off and
0: So um, when people um, engage in this method, talk a little bit more about the method, please. Yeah. So
1: the the Blossom is a seven-step journey, and it really starts with step one, bringing your mind on board. So the the mind, as, as I define it in that step, is really the ego or the part that wants to keep us safe, the subconscious. And for the subconscious, the known is always safe, as you probably know. And so even if the known is not good, right, even if you're exhausted and fight a lot or just feel really bad about yourself, have low self-esteem, if that is your norm, then your subconscious will do everything to keep you in that, in that zone. And so the first step is really for you to understand that and, you know, really getting your mind on board so that you can actually um, start creating change. Otherwise, there will be so much resistance that you'll just think, oh, this is a stupid idea and not do it. <laughs> so that's the first step. Just understanding the structures and how the subconscious works and so forth. And then the second step has to do with learning to reconnect with your inner child and your emotions because ultimately you're, you do have an innate guiding system, guidance system that keeps you safe and it also leads you toward the fulfillment of your full potential, if you will. And most of us that have experienced trauma, we, we're not in our body. We're not, we're, we think we feel our emotions, but we're not actually, we're not experiencing them in our body. So the, the second step is really a first step into heading back into the body and making friends with feeling, feeling and feelings. Mm-hmm. And then the third step is learning to connect to your intuition, which is, it's, it, it very much speaks to you through your, physicality through your heart. It's not a voice that you hear in your head, it's different. And, and I have very specific tools that I teach people how they can distinguish what really is their true intuition and, and what's just their head talking. And then the fourth step is um, seeing seeing with the eyes of truth. So, so a lot of people stay stuck in in, A less than optimal space because they go into a victim right they're like oh this happened to me and it's done and i'll always be
0: yes i'll always be i'll always feel this way i'll always be a victim no what what, what i hear is i'll always be you know i'm always being going to be a survivor and and my response to that is why why wouldn't you want to move beyond that but exactly
1: so seeing with the seeing with real eyes and, and i always share my story and I get a lot of controversy, you know, a lot of people think it's outrageous and how could you? How can I say this? And then there's other people that really hear what I'm saying. So a lot of people think that when I'm saying, you know, see it differently and take responsibility, they think that I'm saying, you know, it's your fault and um, start blaming themselves it had nothing to do with that. What happened and what somebody did to you was wrong. And at the same time for me, personally, I do know that my soul and my spirit intended for me to have this experience so that I could become the person I am today. Right. And so in the, in the fourth step, I help people see, you know, help them see where that could be true for them. Whether, you know, I share my story and I invite them to see if that could be even true for them. Could it be true that this was actually, you know, even though it seems really, really bad in the end, it was actually a really, really good thing for me. It was a really good thing because Um, it helped me to figure out my purpose and it's my life works. And not that that's like that for everybody, but there is a gift in it for everybody.
0: I think there is a, yeah, I mean, I I think, I think there is a place, I think perhaps it is the way in which you frame that, that I can see people going, Oh, I think there is a place. I mean, I, I tend to share my own story and um, I've got a pretty intense history. And for me, it isn't so much, I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for that. Um, I wouldn't change a thing. It was horrific, and I wouldn't change a thing. And the place in which I say I take responsibility is about what I'm doing with that. Exactly. So, so it's not my fault that that happened, although there may have been things that made me a better target, and there were, and I, I talk with people about that, when I'm, uh, when I, when I, particularly when I'm talking to a group about the ways in which if you've been traumatized very young, particularly in terms of sexual trauma, you become a better target because perpetrators are skilled at their job. And you you don't think you can say, or you don't don't think you have power, right? Yeah, you don't think you have power. You don't think you own your body. You don't think you have power and you don't set boundaries as quickly. And so you are an easier target than somebody who has never been through something like that. So in that way, taking responsibility is important if you're going to change your future pattern because if you don't and you don't learn the skills that you didn't ha- that that you didn't have like how to set a boundary yeah. and how to recognize and how to own your own your own body and your own space if you don't change that you're still an easy target And so in that way, we talk about, I talk about taking responsibility, not that you were responsible for what happened to you, but now you can take responsibility for making it harder for anything to ever happen to you like that again. Um, And then also, you know, for me, like I said, I wouldn't change. I, I wouldn't change it. I I certainly, it changed my entire life path. Um, And um, I've done some amazing things as a result of what I experienced. So how could I say that, you know, I would wish that never happened when these positives have occurred as a result. But that's because I chose to take hold of it. Exactly,
1: yeah. So the the fourth step in the book is very much to help see people, you know, where where the gift is and how they cannot blame themselves so that they can move past this self-blame, responsibility, confusion, and really get into their power. Exactly. And then, yeah, and then the fifth step is really around um, there's a very specific technique and I have this actually as a free gift on my website that teaches people a specific um, tool that they can use in their everyday life to use triggers to transform them into freedom, right? So it's a way to basically heal the fright part, you know, the, the, the parts that got broken in your nervous system that got overloaded so that you can start feeling more empowered so that you can learn how to put your brain at ease. And um, so it's, it's, it's a very powerful tool. It's one of the tools that I use every day. And I think it's responsible for my life transforming from, you know, four years ago, I had really bad chronic fatigue and two small children going through bankruptcy, going through the wars, lack of, at all levels, basically, you know, from physical health to, everything in my life and within three just using this one tool within three years you know has complete transformation i've since built a big business i served over five thousand people i bought a house in the caribbean i met my soulmate i'm healthy so it doesn't have to be very complicated right if we just find one tool or a simple practice and really commit to it over time that uh, the effect will be tremendous and I'm sharing my story because um, I want people to know that what I'm teaching is really from experience and um, it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, it's, it's really like what I said, finding simple tools and then just practicing them. It's like going to the muscle booth and just, you know, doing your exercises every day and the reward will be really um, beyond what you probably expected.
0: So, um, which people do you think benefit more from accessing um retreat as opposed to just kind of taking the couple of tools and running with them
1: it just depends you know some people i think maybe when you're just at the beginning of the journey the book is less threatening you can put your foot in the water um, i know people that have gone through the book and during you know that that's all they needed they really took the book and they took everything and they worked it and and, and then for some people, they start with the book and then they realize, oh, you know, I, I need more. I want more. So it's just the personal preference and where people are at in their lives and what they want. If, you know, some people can't just get away. Some people don't have the financial resources. You know, there's different. Yeah, true. Yeah.
0: But, but for some people having, um, so it's about depth and, and breadth of what, you, of what you can gain in mm-hmm. readiness you know if somebody's like
1: okay i'm ready to just like be done with it in like a week you know not yeah. that somebody can do that with the book too but you have to be very dedicated and very self aware well, I, th-
0: I mean i you know i do i do think there's that, that it's important that people understand that um, one of the values of having somebody external is that they really do hold the space for you and keep the structure there so you can deviate from the structure and, and come back, they help you come back and, and know that, yes, this is what we're doing. This is what we're working on. And that um, I think often, particularly in modern life, when we do things on our own, just our own practice, there are so many distractions. Mm-hmm. It, it can be really difficult, even if you're incredibly dedicated yeah. to manage something like that particularly if it's bringing up difficult feelings yeah yeah it's so and easy especially when you have especially when you have
1: a full-time job you know when you have a life and a full-time job and your mom and a and a wife and all these things that's why I love groups so much because in a group you can hold yourself accountable you can you know you can celebrate you can come when you're stuck you can when you're burned out you can get refreshment and nourishment and yeah that's yeah. All. For me, and, it's so really invaluable.
0: Yeah, no, and 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 you learn from each other's experience, which is which is great. So you're getting so many sources of of input, um, and I think I, I just like people to to kind of hear the value of that because so often they're like, oh yeah, I, uh, yeah, okay, I've got this formula, I can work this formula, and then if they're finding it difficult, they kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's all like, oh, none of this works. Well, no, maybe it's just that you're having difficulty um, staying focused because you've got all these other things and there's no shame in that. There's no blame. It's just, it's easier when you have, even if you only have one guide, it's just easier when you have a witness and somebody there to be able to hold the space. Yeah. Yeah. And actually
1: when I wrote the book, I was really envisioning therapists using it as a, you know, in a group format or people getting together and using it as a, in a group, you know, so that people can facilitate themselves using the material and you know do study groups and one of my dream projects actually is to get the book into um, halfway houses and so forth so people there can you know form their independent groups and that's one of my projects that I'm working on.
0: So if anybody's listening to this who feels goes and, and picks up the book and thinks it's great and feels inclined to be part of a project like that and to help make that a reality please get in touch. Yes <laughs> yeah yeah it takes a village you know Yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. Um, what do you think are kind of the most important changes that come out of this type of healing?
1: Freedom to be who you are, right? There is, and it starts with, for me, it started with my energy because when you have chronic fatigue or burnout or any of those diseases, you know, people think you're depressed or so forth. It's, it's literally physically you have no energy and it, it made me realize how important our energy is to do anything mm-hmm. right so for, for me now, sometimes I get I get as much stuff done in a day as some people don't get done in five years, just mm-hmm. because I have the energy to do it it 's not even about the time it's literally i'm the, the, the space that I can function and the focus that I can have and the, the space that I can operate out of is completely different because my energy is not being pulled back and pulled back down into these negative spaces. You know, it still happens sometimes, you know, I get triggered by stuff still, but on a daily basis, I feel so much better about myself, right. That, that I'm not constantly fighting my inner turmoil.
0: I mean, I think it's important. You said two things there. One is the, the energy to, you know, that you have the energy to do these things, but then you said the energy and the focus. And I think what some people don't realize is that focus takes an enormous amount of energy. Yes. And that if you, um, find yourself, sometimes people don't realize they're exhausted. What they start talking about is their concentration is off. And I invite them to to consider what their energy level is when that's happening, you know, because often what that's about is exhaustion you're low and you're just getting overwhelmed yeah yes yeah. yeah. so that's that's a huge change to be able to have the energy to 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 really focus and function at yeah. a high level yeah and then on a practical level you
1: know my i i'm married for the second time my first marriage where i had children but our, our emotional connection really was we were you know we were good partners we we're good teammates but there was really no deep intimacy and so with my you know, one of the biggest gifts is really the relationship I, I'm capable of having now with my second husband. Yeah. You know, it's like night and day. This is what I knew was possible and dreamt of, but, you know, never able, like, to find.
0: I think certainly in terms of sexual trauma, um, the ability to actually have uh, the kind of sexual relationship and, and that sexual intimacy, along with the emotional intimacy, um, is really impaired after experiencing that and that oftentimes it's quite difficult to rehabilitate even when you're successful at getting rid of symptoms and and getting rid of a lot of triggers i find that people come in and they find themselves triggered during um sexual intimacy what when those triggers aren't existing outside of of that particular forum and find it really difficult to deactivate the triggers so that they can stay present.
1: Yeah. You know, like we're sexual, like sexuality is our nature. Right. So I think part of why sexual trauma is so um, deeply impacting is because it really gets to our core. Mm-hmm. You know, to the core of who We are. So when, when we repair it, we really repair the connection to ourselves and we can, we ref- find our innocence and, basically repair the relationship with ourselves and our soul
0: and 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 that really that the the self-repair is is the thing that has to happen first before the connection to other is able to be rehabilitated repaired or even like i said earlier i mean often it's for the first time that somebody's being able to make that kind of connection yeah yeah
1: and, you know, a lot of people think sexual healing just has to do with like finally being able to have intercourse or no. having an orgasm. It's, it's not at all, you know. It's really about healing you as, 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 as you are and as your being so that you can feel good about yourself and in your body and be a full expression of who you are, you know, with everything, including sex.
0: Well, including sex, yeah. And I, mean, I, and I think for me that, that so often... That's the area that um, that gets missed, that doesn't get talked about, that doesn't get dealt with. Even even when people have done huge amounts of healing, they kind of stop short of fully going through that and fully because there's so much stuff that we stack culturally that gets yeah, like
1: like you were saying, you know, you don't even have to be sexually traumatized to be you know to have a distortion and, and it not being healthy.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and and so I, you know even even there just trying to get people to to kind of consider what it is that they want in their in their intimacy and what form their intimacy might take and the fact that there are so many forms and that there's you know there are no that you know that there's no judgment about what form it might take it's whatever is authentically you and and getting people to be comfortable with whatever that might be can be so difficult because there's just so much steeped shame and taboo around you know well you can do things this way but not that way and this is okay but not that and you know and it continues
1: yeah it's a great way to keep us out of our power like i believe um that when when we well each of us has you know the masculine and the feminine inside of ourselves and as a whole when when we come together as feminine and masculine you know as in a society not just in couples but um in society i believe that we're most powerful when we're actually together right and having having this um these issues go on keep us as a as the race even from being the most powerful that we can be Uh,
0: and because they're keeping us separate yeah
1: And, and confused, right? We, we're, we're, we stay out of our power and we stay in confusion around sex. And so it, it, it's, that's why I'm happy that this is happening now because it's a huge opportunity for all of us, you know, men and women to heal, come together and step into our power together so that we can really create something completely different that's never been here before.
0: So um, if people are interested in what you're doing, Where can they find you and what are you offering at the moment? What's exciting that you're offering at the moment?
1: They can find me at womenintheflow.com. That's my main website, www.womenintheflow.com. I do have a free Facebook group that's also called Women in the Flow and men are welcome. Just generally women talk about this more, come to me more. And um, I, I am currently promoting the Blossom book. So that's on the website. I also have the free gift of the emotional integration, the, the tool that heals the nervous system for anybody that's on my website. And then I have a retreat coming up in October. And so if anybody's interested in learning more, there's a work with me button on my website that you can just fill out and then I'll be in touch.
0: And where in the world is the retreat going to be?
1: It's going to be in your Playa del Carmen, very warm on the ocean in a small little beach community. Which country? Mexico.
0: Mexico. Sorry. I
1: am no, in England, so <laughs> oh. I'm like, what's yeah, what? on your it's That's on your side? Right? It's on your side of the um, Mexico The near side of so, Mexico
0: on the west coast or the east coast of the US? East coast, so closer to you. So closer to us. Okay. Yeah, well, below, that sounds
1: below, like, below Florida kind of cancun and you know? then M-hmm.
0: That sounds like a great place to have a retreat to oh, to yeah. stuff. It's super soothing, yeah. So the links and Facebook stuff that you've given me, all of that is in the podcast notes. Um, and so anybody who is interested in learning more, you can um, click on those links in the podcast notes. Um, we've got your Facebook to find you on Facebook. We've got your Twitter and we've got women in the flow, um, the website go and check out the book and check out the free tool. And also look at whether or not your holiday this year or your vacation this year might be the gift to yourself of healing in a beautiful setting and consider what might happen for you in October. Yeah. Thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. And Thank you guys for listening to Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Please write to me with suggestions for the show or any questions you want answered at drbisbee at the intimacy coach.com. That's D R B I S B E Y. Do follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, I am at drbisbee. Um, check out my YouTube channel as well. For a free 30 minute strategy session with me, go to https:/// colon, forward slash forward slash the dash intimacy dash com, and click the button that says click here on the contact page and you'll get directly to my schedule. Please leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show and I look forward to seeing you all next week and thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher. And make sure you head over to www.the-intimacy-coach.com to subscribe for free newsletter updates to help you create and sustain an exciting, trouble-free sexual life. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes on all topics, sexy, sensual, and intimate. Thanks for listening.